Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and our guest this week, Annabelle Fuller, is a freshman golfer at the University of Florida. Annabelle came into the University of Florida in January, uh, did a second semester start there, and as you know, the second semester, this spring semester, has been postponed uh, from an academic and golf perspective due to the coronavirus, uh, but Annabelle did have an opportunity to play in three tournaments this spring. Uh, her best finish was third at the Gator Invitational, where she shot scores of 69-73-71. Uh, Annabelle is currently ranked 52nd in the World Amateur Golf Rankings and ranked number 39 in the European Golf Rankings for the ladies. Uh, I'm just going to run through some of uh, her accomplishments, starting with the uh, 2018 Curtis Cup. Uh, Annabelle represents the English women's national team. Um, in 2019, she finished ninth at the U.S. Women's Amateur. She finished fifth at the 2019 European Ladies Amateur Championship. And she also competed in the 2019 European Ladies Team Championship. Uh, she took third at the Rolex AJGA Tournament of Champions. In 2019, she also competed in the Ping Junior Solheim Cup. She took second in 2019 at the Scott Robertson Memorial, as well as the Bishop's Gate Golf Academy Junior Championships. And she was invited to play in the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur in 2019. She took first in the 2019 Major Champions Invitational and fourth at the 2019 Annika Invitational. So as you can see, Annabelle has definitely accomplished a lot even in the last uh, couple years in her golf career. And there's certainly more accolades uh, from previous to that that we could run through. But um, just wanted to kind of give you guys a snapshot of what she's competed over the last couple years and how she's performed um, Annabelle had, and I had a great conversation. She's back in England uh, with her family right now, quarantined, as I said, uh, due to COVID-19. Um, but we had an opportunity to connect and uh, really had a good conversation. We're going to talk about you know, her introduction to golf. Uh, we're going to talk about her transition to the U.S. Uh, she made a move before she finished high school to complete high school in the U.S. Um, we're going to talk about her recruit recruiting process and her transition to college just from an academic perspective, golf, playing and practicing, kind of the structure. Uh, she's got some really good advice for young players and young women. Uh, gonna talk a little bit about her daily schedule and then we're also gonna talk about attitude, um, something that Annabelle brings a lot of value to the table, uh, just talking about attitude, attitude on the course, attitude off the course, uh, really good conversation that we had. So appreciate her joining us. And um, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank you, the listeners. I appreciate you guys tuning in every week. Uh, it's our second episode this week. Just trying to push out some more information for you guys to keep you busy while you might be uh, you know, looking for some stuff to do, things to watch, things to listen to. So hopefully that can add to 
giving you something to look forward to. So um, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Please uh, take an opportunity to connect with us, uh, whether it be on social media. You can find Junior Golf Keys on Twitter, on Instagram, or on LinkedIn for you parents out there uh, that have career pages out there on LinkedIn. Trying to put some different content out there on those platforms. Uh, Some content that I've created, some that I'm sharing out there that's just native to those platforms and how they operate. Um, And I would ask you also, you know, to follow us on those different platforms, um, to go over and rate the podcast, to leave us a review, uh, to subscribe to the podcast, share it if you like it. Uh, Really trying to grow this thing, really trying to put it out there so that more families, more young players just like you can have an opportunity to learn from some of these great guests about how they go about navigating their junior golf careers. So thank you guys very much for tuning in. If you sit tight, I'll be right back with Annabelle Fuller. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Um, I have freshman golfer at the University of Florida, Annabelle Fuller, joining me this morning. And I've got Annabelle on the line from England. Annabelle, how's it going? It's going pretty well, thank you. Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you doing this and jumping on like we were kind of chatting about. You know, this is an opportunity for us to kind of, you know, just have a conversation about your journey and your path. And hopefully um, some people can take away some teachings from, you know, what you've gone through and in the process that you've taken to get to where you are now uh, that can kind of help them in their journey. So um, can you just kind of start off and talk to us a little bit about how you got introduced to the game of golf? Uh, Yes. So my older sister is also a keen golfer. So when I was younger, she would go play golf and I would join along. And I guess we both started playing then started for fun going to tournaments and once we both were into the tournaments we'd go to more tournaments together and from there it just kind of built up and yeah sounds like you built up a little bit of a sibling rivalry maybe uh fortunately she was just one age category above me my whole life and now so luckily okay through um the journey that we both went on but we're pretty supportive so we're lucky in that sense yeah so talk to us a little bit about um growing up playing golf in England you're quite a strong young player um what types of things helped you develop in the game um either from a coaching perspective or playing in different tournaments um can you talk to us about some stuff like that uh yeah so I I joined the um, England golf setup when I was younger, which introduced me into a lot of um, other junior golfers and kind of seeing how they went about it, how they kind of worked with school and golf and how what tournaments they played in. My dad got a better idea of what tournaments my sister and I to play in. Um, and then I kind of I started playing bigger tournaments. Then we started traveling a bit more. We went a couple times to America and played in junior tournaments there, which gave us an even greater insight to how other junior golfers did it. Um, and by the age of like 15, 16, I was playing a lot of tournaments internationally, which obviously really helped. Yeah. What types of things, you know, as you were traveling back and forth to the U.S. to play in some competition, 
what types of things did you take away from, you know, kind of the system here and, and what did you learn out of those experiences? Um, well, I think the tournaments in America, they put a lot more emphasis into junior golf. So they are bigger, they have longer days, they take more time up. Um, and there's a lot more work that goes into the tournaments. Whereas in England, you kind of drive up the day before, have a practice round and then play the tournament. So then my dad started um, kind of really making sure that we were really ready for tournaments. So we had two practice rounds, let's say, and we were properly rested and um, we had good warm ups in the morning because I think that was a little bit overlooked here. Whereas in America, they did that hugely and every kid was fighting for a spot on the range, whereas here you could quite easily find one. So was there a big difference in just in terms of like growing up and playing? It sounds like maybe um, in England you you played more than you did practice. Would that be accurate? Yes, it would be. What 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 did that do for your game? I'm um, just curious. I, think, I think a lot of golf is a different in the kind of you you either you're good with practicing or you're good with playing. And personally, I think playing has really helped and benefited my game because instead of standing there and hitting 30 shots and not really thinking about what you're doing, you're constantly under the changing um, environment, lies and different kind of aspects of golf, whether that's you're always hitting a drive, a chip, a putt, a punch from the woods, a bunker shot. Whereas when you practice, you can, you can pick your favorite shots. You can kind of adapt it how you, how you want and not really challenge yourself. Um, so I think kind of playing a lot enabled me to practice different areas of my game rather than just focus on one area. Yeah. Um, and for those of you that are listening, I mean, you heard me go through um, Annabelle's resume. I had to keep everything <laughs> contained to tw- 2019 and, and sooner. Otherwise, I would have been reading for quite a while. Uh, but you've got a super impressive resume, obviously, Um you got plugged into to England golf fairly young and represented the women's and you're still on that team, yes. I believe. Correct. Um, what types of opportunities um, have you gained through England golf? Um, well, I was able to go and play in team tournaments because like, so the European team championship um, kind of all different match play events and um I played the junior, like the junior world am, the ladies world am, and being able to kind of go to a tournament where where there golfers from a variety of places. I mean, that the junior world am, we had every single country represented almost, and at the ladies world am, similar. Um, yeah. So I think kind of being able to play in those tournaments with England was really beneficial. Yeah, and you had an opportunity too to to play in the Curtis Cup in 2018. What was that experience like? That for was you? unbelievable. Um, I was kind of into it was kind of my big, big first ladies team event, um, and it was great to see all the American girls because I'm not sure if you saw the result that year, but they won it pretty easily, um, and it just kind of showed yeah. me like, wow, they are really kind of a step of a, like step ahead of us right now. And it proved to show because pretty much all those girls in that team then turned pro and got their tour card on the LPGA. Um, right, right. And it kind of showed to me like, okay, so I'm here and they're just one like one level above me. 
um, which gave me kind of big insight, like how they do things, what they their game is like, what areas I need to improve on. So that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and for those of you that don't know um, or familiar with this tournament um, on the women's side, it, it'd be a similar tournament to the men on the men's side where they play the Walker Cup. Um, so very high level amateur golf um, competing in a team environment. So really cool opportunity that you had there. Um, well, you had a couple years left in, in school prior to college and you decided to make a transition to uh, join IMG Academy in the USA in Florida. Um, can you talk a little bit about through like, what was that decision process like for you and your family and uh, what that experience was like yeah. for you? So um, my dad was really hesitant to kind of send me across the world effectively because um, I was 16 um, and he thought that was a really big move and he wasn't too keen on the idea um, of me being so far away. But we visited it at Christmas of the year before I went. And as soon as we arrived at IMG, um, like I knew it was a place for me and it was where I needed to take my game to be able to kind of get to that next level and improve. Um, and obviously Florida with the weather, it's a lot better than in England. Um, so I knew that over the winter months, it would be really beneficial to my game um, to be around a load of other golfers as well and be able to practice and play with them each day and have the practice facilities literally right outside my door um I think that was really kind of the biggest thing for me and to be able to kind of balance school and golf and I'm sure that many other kind of junior golfers find that tricky if you get out of school at 3 30 and you have maybe an hour or two left to be able to practice it's really really hard whereas at IMG I was able to practice three four hours a day and I haven't even went to school yet. Um, so that was yeah. kind of one of the biggest reasons. Yeah, definitely a unique environment there. And, you know, that's where we had an opportunity to meet. Um, let's, let's talk about some of the challenges maybe, because uh, as I think back a little bit, um, you transition to the U.S., you know, rankings in the U.S. are such a, um, I guess, mm-hmm. highly – uh, touted um, piece of the equation. So a lot of the tournaments in the U.S. are performance-based entry. Even though you had a super strong international ranking, it didn't really translate to the U.S. system. So can you kind of talk about, and this I think could just help, um, you know, other international players that are looking to make a transition to the U.S. and are trying to figure out which tournaments mm-hmm. they can play in and kind of how the system works. Can you talk through yeah, that a little bit? so I think with the AJGA rankings, um, there's obviously, it seemed like well, there was way more junior golfers in America than in England. Um, and obviously that's due to the size. And to get into certain tournaments, you had to have this junior ranking, which... Obviously, I couldn't get in England. Um, So when I went to America, I had to start off by playing smaller tournaments, which you didn't need a ranking to get into. And it was um, so you kind of I think I didn't prepare myself so much for that when I first went to America. Um, And I didn't think that that would be a challenge. But obviously, when I got there and I realized I had to go from playing like big women's amateur tournaments to now playing small kind of Florida junior tour tournaments. 
and I think mentally mentally that was yeah. challenging for me because I had to kind of go from okay this is I'm like expecting to get maybe a top five or a top 10 in this tournament to okay now I, I need to win this tournament to get the performance stars and yeah and you had some success with that I mean you came out and place really highly in some of those first tournaments mm-hmm. that you played so yeah I won I think three events in that kind of time period the three that I played um and then fortunately I was able to play in the Annika Invitational from my result in Europe um and then getting a I came tied third there which enabled me to get the performance stars to get into the junior tournaments yeah and then ultimately you ended up taking Last year, you ended up taking third at the Rolex yes. Tournament of Champions mm-hmm. through the AJGA, correct? Yes. Um, so it did work out, but it was it was definitely challenging. So I think, I mean, for those of you international players that are listening, um, you know, it's just a good takeaway, I think, to kind of understand that there are some differences in the systems. But, um, you know, if you're working hard and, and you can perform, um, there is an opportunity to build up your ranking status within the U.S. And, you know, a big reason that you made the transition too. correct me if I'm wrong, is just to have a little bit of a closer proximity recruiting process yes. for college. Um, I think that was to be able to kind of get your name out there and know more different, like the different colleges, um, because in, they come over to Europe every now and then to in the summertime. But it's really hard when you're playing tournaments to be able to get to know coaches, whereas when you're constantly right. having them come to tournaments all year round, it gave you like a bigger scope and kind of got to know the different schools. Yeah, for sure. And you got an opportunity to, or you earned the opportunity to play in some big events. I mean, you took second at the Scott Robertson last year, second at the Bishopsgate um, Golf Academy Junior Championships. You played in the inaugural Augusta National Women's Amateur. Um, you mentioned mm-hmm. Annika, obviously. So, um, you got an opportunity to play on a, a bigger stage where, you know, you could get some of those coaches to notice, you know, what you were doing and what yes. you were capable of. Mm-hmm. So what did that recruiting process look like for you? I remember specifically a conversation that you and I had on the driving range one day. I don't know if you remember this or not, but um, you were kind of torn between a couple different schools and, um, you had kind of asked me for my advice and where would I go? And I wasn't going to tell you a specific school, but if I think back to our conversation, I, I kind of guided us in a direction of just talking through some of the pros and cons. Um, and by no means was I like <laughs> the, the ultimate person helping you make that decision, but that's just a conversation that I remember. So can you kind of talk through like some of the things that um, you were torn with you know both schools and kind of you know what your thought process was from a recruiting Mm -hmm. perspective uh so for me obviously going to img i saw the benefit of having the practice facility so close um and Mm -hmm. i thought like i'd spoke to a couple girls in college and they said you'll find out you think you have so much free time when you go to college but you end up feeling like you have no time left so being able to save a couple minutes going to and from the golf course is like vital um and to be able to be flexible with how you want to practice and by having it so close you can be was an important factor for me and then obviously the coach and how they were towards me was important and then the team the tournaments they played their location 
just kind of all those kind of blended together um and I found it really difficult to kind of pick to finalize what school because it's such a big decision you don't want to make the wrong one um and I think I can't remember exactly what we said but I remember saying like you've got to kind of feel comfortable there as well um which one of the biggest factors for me because I know that if I'm comfortable with a place I'm a lot more likely to go and spend a lot more time there yeah so how has that trans transition been for you I mean you um it kind of didn't go as planned this year I mean you had intended on starting school this coming August but um there was an opportunity to graduate uh from IMG and do a second semester start um which ultimately right now with the coronavirus stuff that we're going through ended up uh you know coming short but you got an opportunity to play in three events and you had a little bit of time to kind of see how that transition was what what was it like for you I mean I think IMG 100% helped me um I think it would have been a huge transition from going straight from living with my parents and having them take me places and organize my schedule to going straight to college so I'm really thankful that I had that opportunity at IMG because that really was a big stepping stone for me um yeah but I mean since I've been at Florida I've absolutely loved it there was I couldn't say one thing that I haven't enjoyed so far um and I think the ability I had a lot more time to practice and to be practicing on the team my coaches uh I, I would say one of the best coaches for sure um they're so helpful and the team practices we have are really fun and they make they even make our individual practice fun by kind of um one of our coaches kind of has a really good idea with different drills and what kind of things we need to do. Um, and it's just been so much fun so far. And even in the tournaments, like we go and to go as a team and to kind of know that you've got, when you're playing, we do this thing where if we see each other across the fairway, we always wave. And it's so nice to kind of be on a golf course okay. and kind of know that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you've had a good start. I mean, your last tournament here, uh, you've played in three tournaments so far, and you took third at the Gator Invitational. You shot 69, 73, mm-hmm. 71. Um, so you've you've definitely made that transition, it looks like, on the golf course. Let's talk about, like, what does a typical week look like for a Florida women's Okay, golfer? so we have workouts on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 6.15 in the morning. Um, and then we have class after that. Then we all get to the golf course around lunchtime. And then we have practice um, until pretty much dark. Um, And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we practice in the mornings until whatever time my class is. And if some of the girls have it around lunchtime, they come back after. Or for me, I I don't have my class till four o'clock. So I practice pretty much all morning. Okay. How has... um... Has you, or maybe it hasn't, but what's is there anything that's different about how you're practicing and playing now in terms of just like the structure and the flow versus um, what it was when you were at IMG or even when you're back? Um, in England? I think definitely the biggest change was, I mean, luckily at my like the golf course, um, we have our own home golf course. So what's really nice with the girls okay. is we will go, we'll practice for two, three hours. And it will be really focused practice. I think that's another change because it's much less of us um, than compared to IMG where there was a bigger group. 
it was we definitely it's definitely more mm-hmm. individual um the practice you can really the coaches kind of focus might give us a big group task and then speak to us individually but then at the end we'll all go out and play five six holes together and um i think that's okay. kind of our biggest change is to be able to have that kind of flexibility because we have more time yeah um can you talk about like well we were just just speaking on the terms of practice you know before we got, jumped on we were talking a little bit about um you all ordered a, a golf net for mm-hmm. your for your home right now as we're you know all kind of locked at home um hopefully this coronavirus passes us sometime soon um but what can some of these young players be doing at home whether they have a net or they don't um you know what are some things that maybe they can do just so they don't completely lose sight and lose track of some of the progress yeah, I that think, they've made? I mean, for me personally, it, it is really challenging to be stuck at home. I'm very much an on-the-go person. I hate sitting down. Um, so, But I think I'm lucky in a sense that England does get pretty cold at winter. So from previous kind of years, when I have been here over the winter, I've came up with indoor stuff to practice with. Um, so I think... If you have carpet anywhere in your house, you can put, you know, you can set up, you can put socks down for holes and you can just put on the carpet. And it's just to kind of keep your tempo, keep your rhythm and kind of keep your path of your putting stroke. And that's really important. And then you can you can lie other clubs on the floor to kind of practice like a gate kind of drill with two like lines on the floor. Um anything like that and if you're fortunate enough to have a putting mat obviously you just try and hit as many putts as possible um and then I think it's really important to with a similar to the putting to keep rhythm with your swing so if you have any kind of space in your house where you can do your swing maybe in front of a mirror or anything just to kind of keep the flow going um I think you'll notice when if like if you have any experience with kind of having a break from golf you go out there and you're like oh my god my swing feels so stiff kind of just being able to not have that feeling the next time you play golf yeah and you mentioned uh practicing with a mirror I think that that's one of the um can be one of the most productive things to do uh just in terms of your swing can you talk about like feel versus real mm-hmm. you know what that means like and how yeah, a mirror I think can help with it's funny that. that you said that my dad's always brought me up with the saying the feel isn't real that um you okay. might be feeling like you're doing something and then somebody takes a recording of you or you look at it in a mirror and it's completely different it's that you get so used yeah. to a certain movement that you kind of have to change it it's it's not always what you think to start with and you can't exactly feel a placement of the club. So you've kind of, you've got to have checkpoints and you've got to be able to look at those and see them. And whether that's kind of, you can put a basket with a stick if you're trying to do a certain drill or you then check in a mirror because what you feel might be there isn't, as my dad says, the feel isn't always real. Yeah, no, it makes a ton of sense. And I mean, you know, golf is one of those sports where, you know, just the slightest bit that you're off in your alignment or your ball position or your path, you know, those things can make a big difference. And, you know, I know I've seen with my swing over many years, um, you know, kind of go through different cycles where you make some corrections and, 
maybe you go a little bit too far in one direction and then you've got to kind of course correct and, and bring it back. And so it's, you know, I feel like you've always got to, like you say, find your checkpoints um, so that, you know, when you are out there on the golf course, um, you know, you can rest assured that you've put yourself in a good position to uh, continue that repetition mm-hmm. and, and good ball striking. Sure. Um, any other advice that you would give to, to young players or just young women that are coming up in the game of golf about what it can do for you, what opportunities are out there, um, how they can mm-hmm. continue to develop? Um, I'd say probably the big and I would say I wish I could tell every kind of golfer this is and I've noticed from speaking with my coaches as well how important attitude is and I know that's such it's a very cliche thing to say is a lot of people say attitude but I think being able to like watch other golfers and how they act on the golf course um, for me it's always been I've always had like comments about oh yeah you have such a good temperament on the golf course and I never realized how important for me that was until I actually got to college and after my first event it was the biggest kind of shock to me because it's so different playing a college event to any other tournament and I can't exactly pinpoint quite yet why but I think the mentality of having relying and having these expectations from other people is so mentally challenging so I think trying to stay positive in any aspect of your life especially golf is so important and I think especially now like during the coronavirus to stay positive and know that you know, this is a really short amount of time in our life and to kind of always think about the goals in the future and you stay positive and you work towards that goal and not let anything now kind of put a negative attribute or anything on the kind of now because you've got to think about the future and always look towards that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's really good advice. Um, let's go into that a little bit more. Can you talk about... Um, what your attitude is like on the golf course and kind of some of the things that you're thinking about, um, that make you stay positive. Um, you know, just as you're going through a round, even if you hit a bad shot, if you hit a good shot, you know, different reactions, what does that Um, look like? So no doubt I obviously like I'm human and I'll have a, a automatic response to my shots. So if I hit a bad shot, I might get momentarily annoyed. And if I hit a good shot, I'll be like, Oh, like, yay, like, you know, I'm obviously, I'm, I'm not emotionless. Right. But I think the big thing for me is knowing that just because of that shot you hit doesn't, by kind of carrying on any of that emotion, it's never going to help you. Whether that's, you'll hear a lot of times people, for example, have a hole in one and then make a double bogey afterwards. Or kind of like <laughs> right. people go on these bogey streaks where they can't stop making mistakes. And it's usually because they bring the emotion from the last shot onwards. And I think for me, the biggest thing is kind of knowing that one hole and one shot doesn't matter. Everything you've done in the past, like there's no changing it. And I know that kind of, oh, if you've made a huge mistake in one of the holes, it obviously is going to affect your scores round. Um, But you can't change that now. And everything that you did at that time, it's done. And the only thing you can do is improve. And whether that's, yeah. and you might think you're completely out of the tournament. Let's say you're you're way behind and you've got no hope, but you want to feel yourself, know that you can play better in the future and know that you can make a couple bo- like birdies 
And I think for me, I've I've played tournaments and I've been four over the front nine and I think I've completely lost it. And then I just thought, you know what, I'm going to have fun the last nine yeah. and just play golf and forget about it. And I'll go, end up and I've shot like four under and I've come in with a good score in the end. And I think knowing that anything can happen sure. and you can always try your best until the very last shot because until the very last shot of the tournament, that's when you can't do anything else. And then you can let out emotion. And I think for me, that's one of the big things is I don't really show how I'm playing until my very last shot on the very last hole of that tournament because until then, you can always do something towards that tournament, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And I mean, um, you know, you talk about naturally you're going to have a reaction, right? Whether it's a good shot or it's a bad shot. And some of that may not even be a visible reaction to anybody that's watching, but may just be some mental self-talk within your own head. And so is there like something that you do specifically like a trigger that makes you say, okay, when I do this, I have to move on. So for example, um, the 10th episode of this podcast, I had a lady named Michelle Holmes on, um, who has a couple different golf schools and grew up playing golf, um, in Ireland. And she talked about playing golf in college where no matter if it was a good shot or a bad shot, um, when she walked up to the, up to the ball and her bag strap left her shoulder, she was now in like in game time. And then, she hit her shot. She would allow herself to have a reaction. But once she picked her bag up and that bag hit her shoulder again, she couldn't react anymore to it. I mean, is there anything um, like that? I don't that really you do a do physical kind of action to do that. But for me, it's the um, kind of, okay. I think I would say I do it probably a bit mentally. Um, whereas when I get to the ball and as soon as I start thinking about my shot, it's like she said, it's game time. And and you work out the kind of shots and I'm very much I'm quite visual with how I play so as soon as I have this kind of mental image in my head of what my shot is going to look like like I play that shot and then obviously once that shot is done then you move on and you forget about it and then only at the end of the round when you're evaluating what you've done good and bad you then think about that shot again yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense can you go into a little bit more about um being visual um, what, what does so that think mean you can obviously you, a lot of times you can relate kind of how you work with school and problems into how you would play in golf games um so for me I'm very much I think so let's say I'm, I'm quite number orientated I like knowing all the numbers and the stats and all the very easily overwhelmed with lots of information at once um so I kind of work with that so I'll check the wind I'll know that my ball is going to move to the left because it's a 10 mile an hour wind or whatnot and then the slope like on the green is going to take it down um so I think knowing that in my head I I use all those factors and kind of imagine how the ball is going to be affected by them and by having that in my head I can plan my shot then and I can know that I need to aim five more yards right or left or kind of play longer or shorter because I know where I kind of want to finish it and how it needs to look to be able to finish it there. Yeah. How specific do you get with Um, your target? I would say I get pretty specific, maybe more than most. Um, I like being, knowing everything that I did and 
I couldn't have done anything better to hit the shot. I think the worst thing is knowing that you didn't try your best. And even that's as simple as I didn't get all the right numbers. I didn't exactly calculate that I shouldn't be long or I shouldn't be short. You know, I want to make sure that I'm leaving my uh, my shot short right of the hole because I know that's the best part. And that I didn't, I didn't forget about the wind and I didn't forget about the slope that might take it off the green. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, inevitably, exactly. we're all going to hit bad shots, right? But if you've, like you said, done everything that you can do to put yourself in a position to hit the shot that you want to, and then it doesn't happen, um, you've just got to be able to adjust and, and move on. You can't take it back, right? And you've got to figure exactly. out what you you're going to do to As long to as you can one. control everything that you can control, and then if you don't hit it right and it doesn't work out, you can like tiger woods doesn't hit every good shot so how are you expecting to <laughs> that's right that's a good example um arguably obviously the best player that's ever played the game so uh if he's hitting bad shots <laughs> exactly um, we're all gonna do it right um i just kind of want to move towards wrapping up um uh, but can you just talk a little bit about one of the things that I skipped over that I wanted to talk to you about was just the team chemistry at Florida and kind of what that was like getting into and, you know, maybe even like from a leadership perspective, how do different teammates play different roles with, within this, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, college I'm really team? Lucky. I absolutely love my team. Every single one of them adds something different to the team. They're all amazing people and I'm gonna like I've learned already so much from every single one of them um and but you can really see kind of the different personalities within the team and who kind of has a very strong opinion and who's more lenient with things and I think it's vital to kind of have those different personalities within a team and I think my coaches have done really well to kind of pick that out and know that we all work really well together and I know that I mean from talking to a lot of other girls some other teams have issues and they might have disagreement with things and not all the girls get along amazingly but our team in our free time we all choose to hang out with each other because we all get along really really well and I, I I think yeah yeah that's great I mean that's I, definitely... I think that's really important Go ahead. like want to do that yeah and I mean that was something too that probably on your college visits, you kind of had an opportunity to get a little mm-hmm, bit of a feel sure. of what that would be like, right? What, what kind of a role have you found yourself playing um, as a first semester um, freshman I on the team? I think I would say it's myself. I'm, I'm not a very decisive person with certain things. Um, so I'm very much, I, I go and agree okay. with what they end up saying in the end because I can't make a decision myself. Um but then I'm also, I'm pretty opinionated <laughs> as well, and I'll give my opinion on things. And if I have a certain viewpoint, I'm very much a person, I'm, I'm going to verbalise that. Um, but then I we have a team who also have very strong opinions, but I think we work well because none of us are very, like, argumentative, and we kind of all just want to make each other happy because we all get along. So it, it's worked out really well so far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm really happy with you. Um, I know that the season got cut short this year, um, but I know you've got a great future ahead of you, uh, both at Florida and then, uh, you know, as you continue to further 
your career uh, most likely I'd say in the yes, professional right, ranks. Is that the goal? Good deal. Um, well, let's stay in touch. Uh, one of the things that I do at the end of the show is kind of flip it back to the guest um, to ask me any question that you'd like to, just to kind of add something a little bit different to the show. So yeah. definitely didn't prepare you for that, but is there anything that you're curious about um, just about what's going on with this project, me in general, um, anything golf related? Uh, I'd say I, I, can... I know you're pretty into your fitness. Um, I would say like from mm-hmm. your opinion, what, how much would you say that fitness helps golf? Uh, I'd say it's huge. Um, I wasn't, I've always been a pretty fit person. Um, but one of the things that I've been really paying attention to a lot lately is, uh, movement mm-hmm. and flexibility and my hips. Um, you know, the hips are such a big piece to the golf swing and, you know, getting that separation between, you know, hips and upper body, uh, or upper body and lower body is huge. And, um, you know, I, Mike McDonald is somebody that I've had on this show before who owns a movement academy for golfers. And, um, you know, I connected with him and started looking into it a lot more. And um, I've really been doing a lot of flexibility and movement type, almost like yoga type stuff uh, on top of just regular strength training. And I think that it's huge for injury prevention. um, And it's just a huge thing to, you know, get some gains from a strength perspective and be able to generate some more turn and some more power and speed. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely. Think yeah. It plays I a big mean, part. I'm How about you? personally, I'm very interested in that. So that's hence why I asked you. Um, and I, my, I just picked my major, yep. which is um, APK. So applied physics, uh, like applied physiology. Okay. Um, so obviously I'm going to start learning about that real soon. So yeah. it's just really interesting to see other people's opinion on it. And clearly I haven't found one person who said that fitness isn't important. Yeah. I mean, I think historically there was um, some stigmas around fitness and this is going back Mm -hmm. like pre 1990s probably, or maybe in the 1990s. And then, you know, I think tiger, you mentioned him earlier, um, you know, his fitness routine and, you know, just from an athletic perspective and uh, gaining muscle and and power and speed and stuff like that, you know, he really kind of opened up that discussion. Um, And I think that people are training different from a fitness perspective now than he was um, because there's a lot more movement and flexibility and, and those types of things um, that are integrated, uh, but definitely still a lot of strength training as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've had several people on here, Mike, like I said, and Scott Stallings, who plays on the PGA Tour, who if anybody follows Scott, I mean, he is unbelievably into fitness. He's had a crazy journey over the past um, couple of years. He's big into CrossFit, um, but, you know, just strength training and, yeah. and flexibility. So, um, yeah, but, well, Annabelle, I really appreciate your time. Um yeah. I think we can wrap up. I think that uh, you sharing your journey is definitely going to help a lot of people. And I appreciate you of course, yes. jumping Thank on you. and talking through. Thank and, you for giving uh, me the opportunity. Wish... To. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope uh, you and your family stay safe and healthy um, through hopefully what's a shorter period of time with the coronavirus and you guys can get yes, back out there and start All the best. on the course. All right. Thanks, Annabelle.
Well, thank you all for tuning in. That wraps up episode 31 of Junior Golf Keys with our guest this week, Annabelle Fuller, uh, freshman golfer at the University of Florida. Thank you, Annabelle, for tuning in. Uh, thank you to the audience uh, for listening. I really appreciate you guys uh, tuning in every week, every episode. Uh, like I always ask, if you took any value away from this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that we've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.